This episode brought to you by Noda, powered by M&T Bank. Noda is banking built for lawyers and provides smart, no-cost IOLTA account management. Visit trustnoda.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. This episode brought to you by Alert Communications. If any law firm is looking for call, intake, or retainer services available 24-7, 365, just call 866-827-5568. Welcome to the AVA Journal Legal Rebels podcast, where we talk to men and women who are remaking the legal profession, changing the way the law is practiced, and setting standards that will guide us into the future. Welcome. I'm your host, Lyle Moran. My guest today is Sonia Ebron. She is the co-founder and CEO of Courtroom 5, an automated legal toolbox that helps people represent themselves in civil litigation. Ebron, who is a PhD electrical engineer, created Courtroom 5 with her wife Deborah Sloan following their personal experiences representing themselves in the civil court arena. During this episode, we will discuss Ebron's background, the development of Courtroom 5, and how its technology can help litigants with complex cases. Sonia, thanks for joining me. Thanks so much for having me, Lyle. Sonia, could you start out by sharing a brief summary of your professional background prior to entering the legal technology world? Sure. Yeah. So I grew up here in Durham, North Carolina, um, favorite place uh, in the in the world. Um, my parents sort of shepherded me towards engineering school. Uh, and so I went to um, NC State here in North Carolina um, all the way through a master's program. I wasn't really prepared for professional life. I didn't want to go and work for utility companies or any of the other uh, industries in the area. And so I got um, uh, invited to go and do a doctorate further graduate school, took the opportunity and uh, moved to Florida and did that. Uh, when I graduated there, I still didn't want to go and get a real job. And so I ended up teaching college, uh, also in Florida, uh, and loved it. Absolutely, uh, loved, uh, teaching, but I'd always had an interest in entrepreneurship, uh, from my high school days here in North Carolina. And so I started a company in the, uh, solar electric industry. I did that for a few years, went back to college teaching, uh, found another opportunity in, uh, to do some energy related entrepreneurship in Atlanta. I did that for about 10 years. Uh, and that business failed, I believe, in 2010 or so. And around that time, um, Deborah and I started thinking about running a business together and played around with a few concepts uh, over the years. Eventually uh, decided to uh, to start Courtroom 5. And so, you know, we had had some, as you indicated, experiences with the civil, uh, civil litigation process and realized there were a lot of people who needed to learn what we had learned the hard way. Uh, so that's um, essentially Essentially, we put our skills together. As you mentioned, I'm an electrical engineer. Deborah is a librarian, PhD librarian. So we thought we had something to offer uh, to people trying to learn civil litigation the first time. Very interesting. Now, could you share a little bit about those civil litigation experiences you and Deborah had that prompted you um, to build Courtroom 5? Sure, sure. We've had a number of experiences, both separately uh, and together. I think probably... 
Uh, the earliest one for me was a traffic ticket uh, here in North Carolina. I was a graduate student and North Carolina had just passed a seatbelt law. So I'm dating myself. It's been many, uh, many years ago. Uh, and I didn't think it was fair. Uh, and, uh, that you know, I'm driving along, not harming anybody, but not wearing a seatbelt. So I challenged that in court. I actually won that case, um, you know, wasn't able to change the law. So we still have a seatbelt law and that's probably a good thing. Uh, but nonetheless, I was not forced to pay uh, that ticket. And I, you know, I always had a, an interest in just the way the law worked. I didn't, never wanted to be a lawyer myself. I much prefer engineering. Um, but I did have an interest in, in the law. There seemed to be a lack of logic to it, um, you know, but nevertheless, some patterns. And so I, I had that early experience. I've sat on a jury. I've had to sue people uh, over the years. Somebody screwed up a, uh auto mechanics job one time, I remember. Uh, so, and, and I've also been sued. Um, if it's, you know, services or credit card debt. Uh, Deborah and I experienced a foreclosure once. We resolved that, luckily, uh, successfully. Uh, you know, I've had a number of experiences. Deborah has also had debt collection uh, and some other issues. She's actually involved in a uh, something of a personal injury suit uh, right now. So we've had a variety of experiences uh, over the years. And I think you'll find that for a certain uh, demographic, not uncommon, unfortunately. Uh, you know, every time that we've had to go to court, we've seen many people who, for class reasons or for ethnic reasons, find themselves in in court uh, more often than than, than the general population. Uh, and so that was certainly something that was of concern uh, for us as well. Yeah, and what challenges did you encounter as a self-represented litigant in trying to handle those types of cases? It really depends. Uh, so there are the simple sorts of cases. I mentioned the traffic ticket. Uh, we've also had small claims cases. The, the Judge Judy type cases, I think, are okay for reasonably uh, educated people to handle. You know, we've all seen Judge Judy. You uh, you go, you collect some evidence, you get your facts in order, you go and tell the judge what happened and a kindly judge will apply the law and hopefully make the right decision. We've also, though, had more complex cases. I mentioned the foreclosure, some more significant debt collection uh, issues, uh, certainly Deborah's personal injury uh, case. Those are cases where, you know, you're, you're going to have to make good use of civil procedure. It's not as simple as, as, uh, as, you know, Judge Judy might indicate. Uh, and so in those situations, I think early on, frankly, we got our butts kicked. I mean, lawyers go to graduate school to learn how to use these procedures, uh, and are certainly, you know, just, you know, out of, uh, wanting to represent their, uh, clients as best as possible more than capable of beating up on people who don't have lawyers uh, in the use of those procedures. And so, I mean, we learned some hard lessons uh, just on how complicated the law and particularly litigation can be. Over time, I mean, just like anything else in this world, there are patterns. I am a systems thinker uh, with an eye towards identifying patterns. Deborah, again, as a librarian, is really, really good at distilling complex information for lay people. And in regards to the law, obviously we were lay people. And so sort of together, uh, we figured out that there were some ways we could navigate the system. Maybe not the way a lawyer or an experienced litigator would, but nonetheless, we were able to learn how to uh, use those procedures to, to, to advocate for ourselves. 
And at what point did you decide you wanted to create a tool to help others handle their own civil litigation cases without an attorney? So we've both been managing our own litigation uh, for a number of years. And I'd finally gotten done with uh, academia. And again, I'd had two prior um, entrepreneurial experiences and sort of wanted to get back into it. One of the biggest challenges you may know in uh, in, in entrepreneurial experience is trying to find a good idea. Uh, I recruited Deborah uh, into working with me. My prior experiences had been solo uh, founders. I had some success, but not, you know, nothing groundbreaking. And I realized I really wanted, number one, to work with her. Uh, and secondly, that it would be great to have a team. Uh, you know, I thought I'd have a, have, have a better chance at success with the team. And so finally recruited Deborah away from our, from uh, academia. Uh, she became willing to work with me. And so we played around with a few ideas, uh, over a number of years and finally realized well, I knew a lot about electric machines and artificial intelligence. Deborah knew a lot about information science and the way to architect data. Um, I, you know, I think what we both understood is that the thing we knew best from a practical level was how to represent ourselves and that there were millions of people who needed to, again, know what we had uh, had learned and the patterns that we had identified. And so that sort of um, was the genesis of Courtroom 5. Yeah. So when did it officially launch? And I guess, how have things gone since its launch? You know, it's been years. We spent uh, a number of years before we actually launched Courtroom 5, but the domain itself went live uh, about uh, three, four years ago, 2017. Just a really embarrassing product uh, as I look back on it now. Uh, Just a a case management uh, system that was mostly focused on sharing tips for this or that uh, experience in court. We were actually able to sell it. The, uh, the, the um, absence of information, practical information to help uh, self-represented litigants in these more complex cases made us able, you know, made our product uh, viable, uh, even at that, you know, very, very uh, early stage. But frankly, we had been looking at this problem and trying to do some early customer discovery for a couple of years before that. Uh, just, you know, sort of studying the market, going to courthouses, talking to people uh, who were at an earlier stage in their litigation experience than we, than we were at the time. So we spent a number of years just trying to find out what's the, you know, what might be a useful product to sell uh, to these people. Uh, but we went live at Courtroom 5 in April, I believe, of 2017. Great. Now, could you walk me through what types of tools Courtroom 5 provides to self-represented litigants? Yeah, absolutely. As you know, many lawyers know, there is again a, a fairly complex um, process of litigation. Ours, uh, our goal is to simplify that process as much as possible for people who, first of all, really don't want to be in court, uh, and and secondly, who don't have a legal background. So our process begins with a free trial. We walk people through uh, an intake process where we understand the court they're in, the claim they're dealing with. Uh, we get a contact information on the parties. We have an understanding of what's been filed in the case. And then we get uh, background on the underlying facts, what brought people into litigation. With that information, our artificial intelligence agent does some number crunching, essentially, and is able to point the user to the most relevant uh, training. We've got about 100 uh, very short videos on various aspects of litigation. Obviously, you don't want to have to just sit and learn all of that information. Some of it is more relevant early in a case. 
Others more relevant as you're preparing for trial or even later. Uh, and so we understand, you know, we point the user to the most relevant uh, training and information based on what's been filed in their case. From that point, uh, the user has some idea of the next step. Again, we don't tell them what to do in the case. We're not able to do that. But the, the information that they've gathered at that point prepares them to sort of identify a procedure they'd like to get involved in. If they're early enough, complaint has just been filed, maybe they'll decide to file a motion to dismiss. If it's later in the case and they're headed to trial, maybe some summary judgment uh, involvement may be necessary. But the user decides what they want to do. From there, we take them through a claims analysis process. As, as uh, lawyers know, if you are dealing with a specific claim in a, in a state or federal court, there are legal elements to those claims and any defenses you want to lodge. And so we have a database of all of that information. If our user is handling a a gross negligence case in Florida, uh, for instance, we're able to tell them what the legal elements of uh, that claim would be. We've also got some viable uh, affirmative defenses that they might want to explore. We give them the legal elements of all of those defenses as well. At any rate, this tool helps the user understand what has to be proven uh, in their case from either side. We, you know, uh, make this available to plaintiffs and defendants. Uh, and so they are able to just get a bird's eye view of the status of their case. They can attach the underlying facts uh, to those elements. They can attach any evidence they've collected to the facts, right? So that on the day of trial, they've got a complete picture of what must be proven in the case to either make somebody liable or to uh, avoid liability. Once they've done that, so again, this is a fairly complicated process. Once they've done that, they have a sense of a position, a legal position they may want to take in the procedure they're involved in. Uh, we take them through a legal research process. Again, there's training to help them issue spot uh, and to search uh, the nation's case laws. So we'll have that filtered by the jurisdiction they're in. They can search just like they can on Westlaw or LexisNexis. But again, our legal research tool is really tailored to self-represented litigants, people who are not wanting to uh, spend a whole lot of time on legal research, but just to find some basic support for the positions they want to take. Once they've got that, then we've got a suite of document templates. So if they are wanting to file a motion to dismiss, we've got a fairly simple workflow that just helps them identify what a judge would be looking for and be persuaded by uh, on that type of, uh, of filing. If they are opposing summary judgment, uh, then we have um, a workflow for that. If they are collecting evidence, we've got all the discovery uh, templates, really soup to nuts, anything you'd need to file in, you know, in a complex civil litigation. And so they go through that workflow and apply the claims analysis uh, and the legal research that they found to that document. They come out with a PDF that's properly styled. Again, we've collected, you know, the caption uh, for the court, their signature, perhaps all the contact information for the parties. They end up with a PDF with a certificate of service that is ready to file. And we provide where it's available electronic filing instructions uh, for them as well. That is the process for getting one legal document filed. When they're done, they come back to a centralized dashboard. Our artificial intelligence um, picks up whether that document's been filed or if any other documents have been filed in the case and takes them on a similar journey. And in that way, we iteratively walk them through the process of civil litigation until the case is resolved uh, or, or settled. Well, yeah, it really does sound like soup to nuts. Well, we'll be back after a short break. 
This episode is sponsored by Noda, powered by M&T Bank. You went to law school to be a lawyer, not an accountant. Take advantage of Noda, a no-cost IOLTA management tool that helps solo and small law firms track client funds down to the penny. Enjoy peace of mind with one-click reconciliation, automated transaction alerts, and real-time bank data. Visit trustnoda.com legal to learn more. Terms and conditions may apply. As the largest legal-only call center in the U.S., Alert Communications helps law firms and legal marketing agencies with new client intake. Alert captures and responds to all leads 24-7, 365 as an extension of your firm in both English and Spanish. Alert uses proven intake methods, customizing responses as needed, which earns the trust of clients and improves client retention. To find out how Alert can help your law office, call 866-827-5568 or visit alertcommunications.com LTN. Welcome back to my conversation with Sonia Ibran, the co-founder and CEO of Courtroom 5. Sonia, you mentioned the educational resources available for users of your platform. You know, given neither you nor your co-founder have a legal background or are lawyers, you know, how did you develop these resources for users? It's a great question. Luckily, the law is public. Uh, and so, you know, we can, anybody can go and review statutes or find case law. Um, the trick is curating it, is making it available uh, to folks who don't have a legal background, right? And so no one on my team is a lawyer. We've got some really fantastic, well-known lawyers, in fact, on our advisory board. Um, and so we put them to use as necessary. Uh, but, but, you know, we're, simply able to curate the public data in the law uh, and provide that to people as we think it's, you know, it's um, most relevant to them. Right. Now, what types of civil cases does Courtroom 5 assist users with? We find a wide variety of of cases uh, being managed on our platform, really everything from debt collection, messy divorces and child custody uh, issues, uh, contested bankruptcies, probate, medical malpractice. I mean, it's really across the board. Uh, it's easier to tell you what uh, we discourage people from uh, from doing on our um, platform. So we don't really do well with traffic tickets or small claims cases, evictions, uh, those sorts of things. Obviously, we don't do any criminal uh, cases as well. But everything else, I think we are able to give people a leg up uh, as they are managing the complex civil procedures in their case. Yeah, and I, you know, it seems like many tools for self-represented litigants often focus on the more run-in-the-mill or simple cases. And I'm wondering why you wanted to create something to help people with more complicated legal matters. For that exact reason. I mean, there really are very good solutions if you've got a traffic ticket or a small claims case, uh, an uncontested divorce, for instance. There are some really good solutions uh, in the market already. We like to do things different. Uh, we, we like to fill uh, voids that exist. And so we didn't see anything available when we were handling civil litigation. Uh, we understood it to be a very difficult problem. So that was no, that was no surprise. Uh, but that's the hole we wanted to fill because there didn't seem to be a solution uh, available. All right. Now, do you typically see more plaintiffs or defendants using uh, your tool? 
I'd say the vast majority of our customers are defendants. Again, this isn't work that you would um, do voluntarily. So we've certainly served some plaintiffs, civil rights types cases, wrongful termination, et cetera. Um, but uh, these are cases where people feel they can't uh, walk away from, right? They are willing to take on the very difficult work that I described there uh, because they need justice uh, and, and just aren't willing to go on about their lives without it. Uh, but certainly if folks are threatened with foreclosure, again, there's a very high default rate because people um, don't find good solutions in the market. Uh, but nonetheless, those who, if you're threatened with uh, if you are threatened with uh, being kicked out of your home, um, you know, and you find out about courtroom five, it's a no brainer uh, to give it a try. Right. Particularly for the vast majority of people who can't afford lawyers. Mm-hmm. Now, you were describing earlier, you know, what would happen when someone first comes to courtroom five and they enter information about what's going on in their with their legal issue. You know, can you can your tool really help people? from the beginning to end of their cases? We have done so. We've seen a great uh, number of successes. So we've served around about 3,000 people uh, to date. Again, we're, you know, there are millions that we want to serve and are on the verge of reaching them. But what we found is that for those who stick with the program and get to an outcome, more than 70% either win or settle those cases. It's amazing. Uh, there's obviously a lot of work to do. This isn't something for the faint of heart. Um, you know, our, the people who do uh, get to a resolution in their cases have put in a lot of work, you know, work that they didn't really anticipate uh, having to do going in. But if we want to make them successful, as I described, that's the work that has to be done. Um, nonetheless, for people who do it, they get some really good outcomes, some surprising outcomes. We've been happy to see that. One of the challenges that we've seen, though, is that that's a minority of the people who do uh, come looking for help. They either aren't willing or, frankly, aren't able to put in the work that we've prescribed uh, for them. And it gets to be you know, uh, somewhat frustrating for folks. Uh, so a minority of our customers actually do get a resolution. What we've understood, and, and I think from the beginning, is that technology can only take people so far, right? Uh, we've got fantastic AI uh, driving these resources. We've got custom uh, developed courses that are designed for lay people to understand the litigation process. All of that uh, is fantastic work, but there's always going to be a place for lawyers to help our customers. We've seen some of our customers, the more enterprising ones, take what they've been able to learn and do on Courtroom 5 and go find lawyers offering unbundled services. Um, we're in the process of, in fact, bringing that capability in-house. Uh, so we've got a couple of programs where we're working with lawyers to be able to serve our customers uh, a la carte. Right. And so that would be for users of the system who just kind of realize at some point that they need a lawyer's assistance with, you know, part or, you know, more of their case? Absolutely. I mean, if you think about it, if you if you find yourself uh, with business in the court, you need to, to be involved in litigation. I mean, I think the first call for anyone reasonable is a lawyer, a law firm who's practicing in, in the uh, in the area of your claim. Right. Um, unfortunately, for the vast majority of Americans, it's too expensive. We just can't afford lawyers. I think uh, Cleo indicated the typical lawyer average um, hourly rate for a lawyer is approaching three hundred dollars. Uh, and when we talk about things like a personal injury case or you know a wrongful termination case, 
this could be upwards of $50,000, $100,000. And it's not something that most Americans have just sitting around waiting to spend on a lawyer. Right. And so what we're trying to do is to change the way um, people access lawyers, to make lawyers more accessible. Unbundled services have been available for a long time. In our opinion, at least, they aren't uh, a viable solution because the average person doesn't know how to task a lawyer, doesn't know what services to purchase in an unbundled sense. Right. And so you end up with more of a a pay-as-you-go solution, right? The lawyer figures it out and charges you accordingly. So you may not have to uh, drop a five or $10,000 retainer, but you'll end up paying for it over time. Unfortunately, what we've seen is a lot of people who have gone that route, spent lots of money on a pay-as-you-go basis and run out of money, frankly, uh, can't, uh, can't continue to retain those lawyers. So we're looking to just change that business model a bit and let technology do for people what it can, uh, and then have lawyers available to close the gap uh, for our users. All right. So that's why you're going to offer, I guess, connection to a la carte legal services, just so the users can you know, be clear about what they're paying for. That and and uh, have a much better capability of tasking lawyers, right? And so again, if I've gone through, if I've got a complaint that I'm dealing with as a defendant, and I understand the elements of that complaint, I know what the underlying facts are, I understand something about the litigation process. Maybe I'm in a position to task that lawyer with exactly what I want to do, even give the lawyer a legal position I'd like them to argue. I, maybe I just am not a good writer, right? Uh, and need the lawyer to, uh, to ghostwrite a motion to dismiss, uh, or to find specific case law. If I've done my research and can't find anything directly on point, maybe I just need the lawyer to spend a few hours finding the right case law for my situation. And I think what our technology does is number one, to prepare users to talk to lawyers um, uh, in, in a little bit more intelligible terms, but, but more importantly, also to help lawyers serve consumers who have done this work. Um, so a lawyer doesn't have to talk very much to that uh, user because they can just look at their account and see the underlying facts. They can see what's been filed in the case. They can see what the user has been trying to express in some of those document workflows and, and, and on and on. And so I think it ends up saving the lawyer a bunch of time as well uh, to, you know, to um, make the use of their time serving that client more profitable for both. Well, Sonia, you mentioned, you know, the challenge when it comes to the affordability of legal services. I'm wondering, you know, what approach to pricing does courtroom five take? Great question. We're available currently at $50 a month. Uh, so obviously, you know, we've got folks who are uh, unwilling to spend $300 on a lawyer. Uh, we found that they're much more willing to spend uh, 50 bucks a month to try to do it themselves. That's our pricing model going forward. We have a, a number of opportunities to create unique and custom courses uh, for some of our customers. And so we will upsell those as they become available. Over time, we expect also to um, be able to uh, be able to provide court reporters and other litigation professionals to our users in a marketplace. And I expect we'll see some revenue streams from that as well. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the goal is to you know, expand the use of this product. I mean, you, you mentioned some ways there you're going to do it. What other ways are you hoping to, yeah, broaden um, the reach of Courtroom 5? 
It's a question of reaching our uh, customers at this point. We released an MV, uh, minimum viable product, as we call it, in startup world uh, just this January, right? We've been selling for three or four years here uh, to do our customer discovery, but we dev- we released um, a, a viable uh, web app in January. And so we're in the process of taking it to market now, seeing some uh, significant growth in, in parts of the country, right? And so that's our goal uh, for the next uh, few years, frankly, is to serve as many people as we can. You know, and along those lines, I mean, is this a tool that can be used by self-represented litigants across the U.S.? It is. We have served, in fact, uh, at least one person in every state, uh, some of the outlying territories as well, Guam and uh, Puerto Rico. So, again, our focus is on making sure that people have the information they need uh, to work with the various procedures. There are different procedures in each state. Every uh, jurisdiction has their own rules of procedure, but they all pretty much stem from the federal rules of procedure. And we help people just understand what the right questions are as they're navigating those procedures. Right. And I know, you know, clearly as a newer company, I'm sure you're, you know, eager to keep raising funding to support what you're doing. How have things gone on the investment front? Very good. Very good. So we did uh, a major accelerator last year. We're Techstars graduates. Uh, and we are also uh, venture back. Precursor Ventures is one of our investors. Uh, Ad Astra Ventures uh, is another one. Uh, and so, you know, fundraising is just something that I do as a part of my, my chief executive work. Uh, it, it is fantastic. We have um, not done a, uh, a round yet. That's coming up. Uh, oh, you know, sometime uh, in the next few months. But, um, you know, we continue to do fundraising uh, as as we need it. Terrific. Well, Sonia, any, you know, parting thoughts you wanted to share with the listeners? Yeah, I'm just uh, really excited to uh, to uh, be here with you, Lyle, and to uh, be able to talk with the lawyers and other uh, legal tech folks that are in your audience. Uh, if there are lawyers who are interested in offering unbundled services to consumers, uh, we've got an open invitation. We are uh, looking to bring folks on and be able to change some of the business uh, model in consumer law. So we'd happy, we'd be very happy to uh, speak with lawyers doing consumer work. Terrific. Well, Sonia, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you, Lyle. I also want to thank our listeners for tuning in. Please be sure to rate and review the Legal Rebels podcast on your favorite podcast listening service. I'm your host, Lyle Moran, signing off. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalRebels.com, LegalTalkNetwork.com, subscribe via iTunes and RSS, find both the ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn, or download the free apps from ABA Journal and Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.